Welcome to The Aesthetic Report, a podcast for skincare professionals who want to grow in their careers by hearing directly from the individuals who have been there, done that, and are paving the future of their industry. Join us for the latest in all things skincare, beauty, wellness, business, and more. From interviews with leading experts to the burning topics on your mind, The Aesthetic Report starts now. Welcome to the Aesthetic Report, a podcast by Dermascope. I'm Dorian Reyes, producer of the pod and managing editor of the magazine. Today, I'm joined with my in-house estheticians, Lauren Farmer and Elizabeth Brazier. And we're actually going to do a continuation of last episode. So if you enjoyed that recording and you just wanted more, you are in for a treat and I guess you're just lucky because we have a lot more to say. And if you didn't listen to the past episode, it was all about the unkindness of the industry. So that is a huge topic, huge umbrella. Um, so we broke it down kind of on an individual level last episode. So this episode, we thought we'd focus it more on the esthetician profession as a whole and manufacturers and brands because we rely on them so much. So before we get into that, though, I would like to catch up with Lauren and Elizabeth. How are you guys doing? It's Monday and your Lauren's kids are back in school. So I'm sure yeah. that that's a little less stressful. Yeah, because my last one was with me when we tried to record. <laughs> He was so good, though. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he was good, but it's nice. And then I gave myself just one client this morning, and so now I'm actually home, oh, which cool. is nice. For yeah, I'm trying to cut. I don't know. Saturday, I think I worked myself too much, and I was hurting pretty badly. I don't know. I'm like yeah. 35 weeks now, so I'm like, but I'm trying to get everybody in that I can, but I also have to like, you know, tell myself you got to take a. I mean, my husband's like, you're going to put yourself into labor. <laughs> like you need to, yeah. Yeah. you know, keep her in there a little bit longer because Saturday like kicked my butt. So I kind of moved some people over. I think that's like a true testament of like passion that you have for your job because you're, you're still going on and you're like, no, I will squeeze you in before I give birth. <laughs> I'm, trying. I'm like still going to keep going. I'm just trying not to maybe like <laughs> push it. I'd like to I not know. go into labor during a facial. <laughs> And Elizabeth, I know that you delivered early, but I'm sure that that was like a trip up in your like whole plan. Oh man, I was so, because I wasn't even like expecting it. I was just at a at an appointment and then they were like, so by the way, you have to have a baby tomorrow. And I had to call my manager and be like, so you're going to have to move my next like month of clients because I won't be there. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I have an appointment that I just cannot reschedule. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. But yeah, no, clients, I think they do understand that we're human for the most part. Sometimes they do forget, but yeah, for yeah. the most part, they, they do understand. They've been there, you know. Again, for the most part, some of them haven't. They're just so curious. They're like, so what is that even like? And how do you even work through that? You know, because I've got a lot of like childless mm -hmm. older women or couples or whatever. And so they're just like, I just don't even understand how you managed to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, with your belly and you guys are like, 
punched it's over. Hard. Yeah, it's I hard. was really curious about like, are you just like trying to like so pivot like for your body? Me, so for me, I can lower the bed mm. some, which is great. But like Saturday, I had two clients that have vertigo pretty bad. So they, I can't lay them flat enough to where like my belly's not in the way at this point. So by the time I elevated them though, I couldn't comfortably give a facial sitting down. So I had to stand up and kind of hunch over for two of those facials wow and it was just pretty uncomfortable because she's super low i mean mm-hmm. super low so i was like hmm, okay this yeah is fun. yeah it just depends though like you just kind of have to wing it and yeah figure out how you yeah, my, my room at that point was pretty tight all the way around and so thankfully i wasn't big in the sense of my size but still had to like maneuver and not try to catch somebody's hair in between my, <laughs> my stomach and the bed and like rip it out of their head. And I'm like, I'm yeah. sorry. Um, <laughs> that happens a lot more than that. Happens, you, yes. Yeah. I'm like I'm just gonna get your hair out of the way here. Oh, cool. <laughs> just yeah. excuse me. <laughs> so the, I'm guessing they don't teach that in aesthetic school. <laughs> no. I think my boobs were the worst part though, because they got massive. And so I'm like, they're like resting on somebody's forehead. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think I, br- I brush people like daily with them. And I'm like, I just don't say anything. But it's so hard not to laugh because I'm like, I oh, sometimes like I would insane. just joke. I'm like, that deserves an extra tip. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome (laughs) a lot of people would like to be in your position you know yeah it's just sometimes you have to laugh at it because it's just part of being a person and living and getting through it and that's why I tend to you know try to humor my clients with you know when they're telling me things that they did to themselves or their skin or whatever and I'm like listen you won't make that you know mistake again you learned your lesson you know I try not to give them grief I feel like sometimes this industry gets a little too, too serious with yes. their judgment, you know, yeah. about how we need to respond and how we need to be so black and white with policies and procedures. And in a lot of places, that is true. Mm-hmm. But we also have to just, you know, understand that life is not in black and white. We're learning, you know, sometimes when clients mess up, I'm like, what could I have done better so that this doesn't happen to the next person. You know, maybe there was a misunderstanding. Maybe there was a communication. Maybe I didn't go into it enough because in my mind, I've said the same thing 50 times already this week. And so I think I'm explaining myself enough, but you have to recheck in with your client that, you know, they're understanding that they're knowing what they need to do once they leave your spa. That is really interesting that like, even though treatments you do from, you know, appointment to appointment vary, the whole basics of like, oh, what have you done? Or just you going kind of over what you think are basic. You've done like, I don't know how many times a day, three mm-hmm. plus. So you're like, yeah, I'm, I understand it, but this is a new person every time in your treatment room. So it feels redundant to you, but to them, it's the first time they're hearing it. So it's really hard to approach that situation with like a freshness, I would imagine. Yeah. And thankfully that's why I like a lot of times training because it reminds me of that, of checking in with clients, you know, even now, like during a service, making sure they're feeling okay. Even if it's a client that I have seen monthly, I still am like, okay, are you doing okay? You know, you're covering their face with an LED panel. I've had clients just suddenly freak out from claustrophobia mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want them sitting there in silence being uncomfortable because I tell people usually 
clients won't tell you when they are feeling uncomfortable because they don't know if that's the right thing to do. Am I allowed to feel uncomfortable right now? <laughs> yeah. Am I allowed to say anything? Like maybe this is just what it's supposed to feel like. Yeah. I've you know, when there. something's stinging on their skin, like we know it probably has some activity and we know that's perfectly fine, but the client has no idea. And they're like, is my face melting off? Am I going to be okay? You can always see their facial reaction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I try to read that body language because I've seen so many people, you know, and I'm like, are they like, you know, jittery because, you know, they're nervous or are they jittery because something doesn't feel good or are they just a jittery person in general? <laughs> um, and that's where you're like, how are you doing? Are you doing all right? How's this feeling? You will feel some activity, you know, just going into that spiel. But yeah, like leaving the treatment room, I call it like the least risk scenario. I want to make sure they have all the information before they leave because if something happens, either A, they didn't listen to the plan or B, I didn't explain something enough. That's really the only two scenarios there, you know, unless something just wild happens like an allergic reaction. But I'd say for the most part, the the handful of clients that I've had that have had some type of minor issue after is usually they didn't follow the rules. <laughs> and usually they know that and yeah. they admit it. <laughs> They're like, I didn't expect to have to follow rules at the spa. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I had one this, this past weekend. It was a brand new laser hair removal. Of course, a man. And I shouldn't say that like all, all men are not terrible clients. They're great. They Except can when be they're great. listening to the rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but he was just like, typical guy. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. Whatever, whatever. You know, I was like, you can't go in the sun. He's like, but I was going to go to the lake today. I'm like, I don't advise that, you know? Yeah. Because he was getting like his lower neck, like beard area done, suffered from some really horrible ingrowns and just wanted that hair like gone. He was so Mm -hmm. done with dealing with it. And I told him, you're going to be reactive. You're going to be inflamed. Yeah. The sun is not going to like you. The lake water is really not going to like you. This is a bad scenario. Especially. And we went over that at least three times. Saw him this weekend. It's like, well, I... Uh, you went to the lake. I went to the lake, yeah. You definitely did. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely got in that nasty I was water. like, and how did that go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, not uh, not good. I, uh, uh, I definitely felt some yeah. intensity and got like basically like folliculitis like all over mm. his neck. He goes, I was like, well, now your neck looks great. He's like, yeah, no, it healed up fine. He goes, because I definitely learned my lesson. I did not do that again. And I went home and made sure to to heal it up. But he actually had a really good reaction to the laser hair removal. So already a lot of like balding in some areas, had like no ingrown hairs. I was like, you are very lucky that things turned out as well as they did. Because it could have not. Yeah. But he's like, now I'm going to listen to you. I'm like, great. We're on the same page. It taught you. some um <laughs> some pain to listen which i imagine yeah. just because you guys are in such a customer facing profession and i've worked customer service in like a different capacity and there is a lot of unkind people out there mm-hmm. <laughs> but with in my way it was kind of like i'm only i'm only spending a couple hours maybe an hour with them and i'm probably never going to see that person again but you guys it's not necessarily like that it could be like that but it's it's not going to be like that and I know for the most part, you guys love your clients and you have really great relationships and and long-term relationships, which is ideal. Mm -hmm. But I can imagine, especially just the way that I think, and I'm pretty sure the way that Elizabeth's brain thinks is that you're like, is it my fault? 
Is it, is it, I do they, think that a lot. <laughs> are, um, are they being unkind because it's me? It has to be me, right? Like, you know, <laughs> and I just want you guys to know that like, it is really hard what you do. It's so hard what you do from the clients, from the physicality of it, obviously, um, from even working with product and, and brand manufacturers, you guys are are faced with problems that the average person wouldn't think twice about. And mm-hmm. I just have to applaud you and all estheticians out there that are practicing because it's tough and it's getting tougher by the day with shrinking scopes of practice mm-hmm. and different, you know, brands changing up on you things, brands getting sold from underneath you or them brands selling out. Yeah. It's tough. I know that there is some estheticians that are um, kind of fed up and they're ready to like band together. And I think that's great. Ageless Ashley or Ashley Curtis is really pioneering this movement that um, I've seen in passing. I haven't quite dived into it as far as as most people have, but um, it's called the Esthetician Revolution. And I know they just had a town hall that they hosted yesterday. I wasn't able to attend, unfortunately, but Elizabeth, I know you did. So yes, and I'm so thankful I got to hop on because I just, I'd actually just like sent off my article to you. And then I got the email and I was like, Oh, yeah, I can I can hop on to to the zoom that they were Mm -hmm. hosting because I've missed a couple with the golden experience guide. And just because Sundays are like family days and sometimes it's hard to like get away and do all of that. But I knew that this was really, really important. And um, this is something that's probably just, it's been needed for a while. We all felt it. Even I remember things happening 10 years ago with some brands, but I don't think we had the, I don't know, speaking capacity and also just the social touch now that we have together that could have made this happen the way that it has. So it's all of that like timing thing. So really what this is, is that basically we as estheticians are just a little fed up with marketing tactics, with state regulations, all of these things that are trying to put a lot of exclusivity on things that don't need to be and trying to get brands and estheticians to really work together to kind of figure out a win-win a solution that's good for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously there's going to be some push and pull with things like we need to make money as estheticians. They need to make money as brands. Distributors need to make money in a way that, that makes sense to them. But like where, where's the cutoff, you know, where, where do we finally say, okay, I know you need to do things this way because that's just going to make more sense to your bottom line, but also, you know, we're the ones that built your Mm -hmm. label, your brand, the reputation. And then you just kind of cut us out, you know? So, I mean, now that nobody really, that I know of that works with them personally, so I can kind of call them out because at the aesthetic revolution, we're not really like calling out specific companies. That's not really what it's about. Because again, it's like I talked about in the the last podcast. I don't like that like negativity broadcasting where we're going to like hunt them yeah. down and bring them down and whatever. Kind of and this person, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's more of like, let's be aware and let's do better. But uh, Clarisonic, right? 
they were so big in the spas when I first got into, I don't know if Lauren, you remember that, but like every spa yeah, had a Clarisonic. Yeah. I felt mm-hmm. like every person had a Clarisonic. Every person had a Clarisonic, <laughs> right? It was the thing. It was yeah. my like graduation gift from, yeah. from aesthetic school was a Clarisonic. I, I thought I was it, right? <laughs> I love it. My skin absolutely hated it, but I thought I was it. And I yeah. was like doing the most for myself, yeah. you know? <laughs> but that's what it was. It was a professional tool. Yeah. And they were sold really kind of strictly through that basis. And then because they blew up in such popularity, they went to the direct consumer market. And that's really, they just kind of were like, eh, we're not really going to worry about the professional estheticians anymore. We're not really about that. Obviously, this is more a consumer driven product because spas were using them in the treatment room, but they were also, you know, retailing them. Mm-hmm. So it was nice because then you could, you know, have clients purchase them and purchase the brush heads and things like that. But then they started to put them in places like Ulta and, you know, those big mm-hmm. markets. The no-no places. Yeah. yeah. And, we're just like, and then what happened was that they put this huge minimum order on every account that they had to meet mm-hmm. per quarter. I don't even remember what it was. It was insane, though. It was like... I remember it was a big, like, number. like $10,000 or something like that. I was like, how many how many effing Clarisonics is $10,000? Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it had to be, like, what, $200 a piece. Yeah, like two two fifty. Yeah. Yeah. No spa that I know right. of could have stopped that, right? Yeah. And they were just like, that's the term, sorry. So I was working at a spa that was selling them. We finally had to be like, we can't do this. Right. Like there's just no way. Yeah. And so we like discounted the rest of our stock, got rid of them. And then we're like, we hate brushes now. <laughs> yeah. We did the same. Cause I worked. And that's what happened. You know? spa and yeah. We took them away too. And it was a big med spa, like a chain med spa. Mm-hmm. And they took them away. Yeah. yeah. So a chain can't even compete with something like no, that. No, they couldn't even, they didn't do it. I remember when we got rid of them. Mm-hmm. So now we're talking about that situation of, of, you know, just kind of bypassing the esthetician, which is a slap in the face. And then there's the whole question of medical grade skincare, right? And physician grade skincare. And, oh, if, in order to sell this line, you need to have a medical director. But mm-hmm. then that same brand will sell directly to the consumer where it's yes. like, well, where's their medical director? How can yeah. you guys, I have you guys as estheticians, you have a license and you're not being trusted. I, I put that in quotes to sell a particular formulation, but it's being trusted in the consumer's hand, which has absolutely no professional training. So, and there's, there's generally nothing in those products that should be harmful to a client, even if they're mishandled, right. They may have, you know, skin irritations like with anything mm -hmm. else. I mean, it can happen with things like the ordinary. Yeah. I mean, you see the peel that they, they sell, it's like 20%. I mean, I've seen people fry their faces off with that, but they can freely get it mm-hmm. wherever. And even in some states, if an esthetician was to apply that peel to a client's skin, they could be fined. Yeah. Yeah. But then they can go and buy that themselves. Yeah. But they could go and buy that. Th- they could buy, frankly, 50% TCA peels off of Amazon and apply yeah. themselves. I don't recommend it, but they can do that. I've seen the YouTube videos. You can get anything anywhere. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But not if you're an esthetician. If you're an esthetician, you're an esthetician, and you're and you're dispensing it, then Mm -hmm. you have to go through all the proper channels. You know, you already have to have a retail license Mm -hmm. in order to resell it, and you know, do your taxes and do all the things you're supposed to. But then, 
legally, you may not, and it's not so much a legal sense. It's more of these companies have chosen to use that type of distribution channel Yes, where they require somebody in a medical directorship to sign off that you can carry. But why? Mm-hmm. I mean, and I work in a med spa, so we have, yeah, you guys have that authorization. Medically dispensed lines, right? But we carry non-medically dispensed lines. And I love both. And they both get great, you know, results. But mm-hmm. do I feel like I need to have a medical license in order to give this to somebody? No. Yeah. And thankfully, two out of the the three don't sell directly to consumers. Mm-hmm. We've we've brung up the issue with the third one about that and about looking at our email list and starting to send out to clients these offers that are like more discounted that really as like a small business, we can't match that, you yes. know, which is a whole nother issue. But they're also a medically dispensed line. <laughs> and so it's like, well, where's the cutoff? Do we finally give up on the product line and try to find something else when all of our clients love it and we love it? And use working, it. Yeah. But what's going to happen if all the clients finally just decide to start buying it online because it's a better deal, even, even with our memberships and things. Yeah. We have to keep a certain stockpile because they, they even recommend like they have a minimum order for yeah, each individual's queue too. Oh, so yeah, they have medical directorship, a minimum order. I think it's like three or six per SKU that you have mm-hmm. to order. So it's like, we could be out of one product yeah, but we don't need there. six of them. Yeah, to, get, to but you're gonna have on. to get it, yeah. but you're gonna have to if you want to order. It's just unfortunate that like I get everyone needs to get paid and make money. Yeah, but it just seems that the first person that's out or that gets cut out or that gets you know their profit margin slashed are your spas, your estheticians, your soloists, mm-hmm. and then there's who are people... the ones that are front facing to right. the client, going, "This is exactly what you need." Mm-hmm. But because say we're only like one-to-one on the person versus where they could be online selling who knows how many during that hour appointment session, you know, some, some estheticians have decided to do online, but I think that's even come with faults too, because some product lines won't allow them to have an online store with their products. I think even after COVID, a lot of them had to go back and revisit all of that about some of their contracts saying they can't, I think a couple now require that they be seen in person, but then afterwards they can get like a, like a specialized code to shop on their online portal. Like they're just, finding workarounds, but it just hasn't yeah. come. It's like come a little too late a little bit, you know, it's just a lot of red tape around products that yes, do have pack a punch. Right. But it's, it's already hard enough to be an esthetician. You know, it's not like being a hairstylist where, you know, majority of people are going to go get their hair cut done by a professional, but not a majority of people are going to go buy products from a spa. You know, what they're going to do is they're going to Google a whole bunch of stuff, read a bunch of articles that might not be that backed by science, see a, a recommendation and say, okay, yeah, I think I'll just buy that instead. Like, oh, like I don't have to go to an esthetician. And it's, it's really difficult when you have, you know, even when I come into contact with people and they're like, oh, they learn what I do. And then they're like, oh, what do, do you have a product recommendation? And I'm like, I don't know your skin from, <laughs> you know, I don't know any, like, I, I, I honestly, you know, what works for you? And I was like, well, what does it matter? What works for me? It's, it's not, I don't know. It's just, it's really difficult. 
Want to stay in the know on all things professional skincare? Follow Dermascope on social media with plenty of memes, reposts, giveaways, contests, polls, and of course, education. Staying up to date on the latest and greatest in aesthetics has never been easier. Follow at Dermascope on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok to get the quality content you've come to expect from the authority on professional skincare. And then there's, you know, soloists like Lauren, who you, yes, you do carry lines, but primarily you have your private label. And it's just kind of like when you decided to do that, was all of the factors that, you know, we're talking about, was that driving your decision to do that? Uh, yes, because I luckily only have to order in like threes. And if I only need like one product, like basically what I've been doing this past month or so is kind of just ordering like little that I need because I don't want product just sitting on my shelf because I wasn't sure when the baby was going to come because my youngest came at 35 weeks, which is what I am now. And then this one's obviously hanging on longer, but I don't want a bunch of products sitting on the shelf. So for me, like when I have clients, like I've been kind of taking orders from people, I can place a smaller order through that company, which is so nice. Mm-hmm. And that's something as I feel like as a smaller company or as a soloist, you really do have to kind of take, take into consideration because to have to order six at a time is very, can be very difficult. And like, you don't just Expensive. want a lot of products on your shelf if it's your if you're just a one-man show and you don't have multiple people trying to sell product like you do in a med spa or even a bigger spa so that is something I I definitely took into consideration so I am very thankful for that because I don't really have to deal with other companies and like some of these medical lines because I obviously don't carry any of the medical stuff you know I wish I could and I I probably could in some sort of way but to me, it's just easier to just do it how I've been yeah. doing it. My clients love the products and I'm not going to really change anything. But I have clients that do complain about they'll go somewhere trying to get some of these medical lines and they're out and they're like, well, we'll place an order at some point. And, you know, and it's probably because they're having to place these crazy, you know, minimum orders mm-hmm. or they just can't get it as easily. But then I've had a few that have actually um there's a girl like in our suite and she does carry this one particular line, but they were like, every time I tried to get it, she like either doesn't have it. So then they found a way to get it online. I don't know where they're getting it. Yes. You know, but I do have quite a few people that have told me that they've, they've gotten a lot of yeah. uh, more of these medical products online. And I'm just like, and it just sucks. Cause it sucks that like some estheticians can't carry some of these lines because they either don't have a medical director or they just can't, you yeah. know, because we can't, we can't Physically, it doesn't make sense for a soloist to place, you know, a crazy amount of dollars. Yeah. And so I don't know, like I, I, some of that stuff, I really wish they would change because a lot of, just like a lot of companies could be doing better, better, a lot better if, but it's kind of the same sense too, as far as treatments go, where like you have to have a medical director to do some of these treatments, but really we know more sometimes than like a doctor would. So it's, it's just kind of one of those things. Like I just, I wish a lot of things would change in the yeah. industry, not only products, but services and just, you know, everything as it's a like whole. It's like very political. I feel yeah, like. it really is. It's unfortunate. Yeah. 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 And I mean, trying to see it from a brand perspective saying, okay, if I was a brand owner trying to think in that regards, they're like, we want that exclusivity because you know, you're going to be the only one that has it. Mm -hmm. So more people are going to reach out to you versus like 
the five different spas on the street that all have the same thing. But the problem with that is that a, a medical directorship is not viable for every single spa. You know, mm-hmm. there's so much more than just having somebody who signs, who ba- I mean, and in that regard, they're not even signing off on like a slip to say, yes, you can do this on somebody. It's mm-hmm. just their license number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is it? What is it even doing? You know, it's just saying I oversee this and that's it. Just checking a box. Yeah. And it's, a contract you have to fill out unless you have a really good relationship with a doctor who would just let you freely use their license, which I don't think that happens. It's not feasible. Yeah. No, most of them are going to want some type of compensation for that because their license comes with risk. If something does happen and somebody goes after you, then they're coming after the person who is medically dispensing, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Again, the risk is so low when it comes to over-the-counter products, which is essentially, I mean, it, it's hard to say that these are over-the-counter products, but that's really the category that all retail products are in, um, regardless of what a lot of marketing would have us think that this comes at a, a different percentage or point or whatever. And we know that there's ones that we love better formulated. You know, Lauren's got her private label line that she loves. You know, I have these lines that we like pick and chose and know that they work beautifully with certain, you know, we got really good at knowing them, but you know, they're never going to be allowed to put in more things than somebody else, even being a medical line. (laughs) That's really where a prescription would come in. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you would have to get a prescription and a dosage and, you know, the whole something that, yeah, it's like, you, you'd have to go through that entire system, meeting a doctor, talking about that, and they'd actually have to write out a prescription for something like a, like a hydroquinone that's at right. a higher dosage or, or trenoin, yeah. And it's so confusing to keep straight. Yeah. And then you guys are so well-informed. Could you imagine a consumer or client who's just walking into this and they're just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. Like, I just want my skin to look nice. And it's just like, it should yeah. really be that simple, but it's not, it's not. No. And I know no. even Lauren, you've expressed in the past that there is a particular line that you would love to carry, but that you're like, I can't meet those product minimums. And like, yeah. it's just, I so hate un- it because I would love to carry it. <laughs> yeah. And it's just so important that you're like, can feel passionate about a product line and you can, be like this could be a game changer or a device or you know yeah. oh it's what everybody's asking for so i want to be able to provide it and it's just like but you can't um yeah it's just hard yeah because financially a lot of us like soloists just can't it's different when you're dealing with bigger companies where they can like fork out the money you know mm-hmm. but it's like for me that's a huge risk to have to take and it's just not something for me, I'm just like, it's okay. It's not make it or break it for me right. as far as, you know, so, and I'm sure a lot of other soloists feel that way. I'm sure they think all the time, I wish I could carry this. Same with hydrofacial. Like I would love to carry hydrofacial too, but I know it's a very expensive treatment. So for me, and it's like, you know, maybe down the road, I would love to visit that. But at this moment, and especially with my kids being younger and not being able to work full hours, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, it's not reasonable for me. And I'm not going to get myself, you know, I'm finally out of debt being yeah. 
on my own. So I don't want to put myself in more debt to have to be like, mm. so it's such a, I don't know. I wish that some things, products and devices for soloists were a little bit more reasonable and not just bigger, you know, companies or people that maybe have more help that are soloists can get some of these lasers and or devices or product lines Mm -hmm. but we just you know we do with what we work with what we can and you guys make the most of yeah and we make the best out of it and we're not losing clients over it because like I said I get people ask all the time for hydrofacial especially Mm -hmm. and I'm like look I don't carry the hydrofacial but I can give you a facial that's equally as good I can give you something to where you're still going to leave because a lot of them have had a hydrofacial you know and it's a lot of like me having to know skin and knowing like what I can do to make them feel like they got just as good of a treatment because I don't offer that but I'm like but I can give you something else so it's okay we're gonna do this you're gonna leave happy and I've kept majority of them as clients and they can still go get a hydrofacial somewhere else if they want to like it's mm-hmm. you know it's not you a big deal see me I get people all the time that ask me about different product lines and I'm yeah. like okay so you like this so then I know in my head okay what is that product what are those ingredients what can I give you that's very similar so it's, it's just you definitely have to have the knowledge behind that in order mm-hmm. to like feel like you can keep up with the game which is why it can be very probably difficult for like newer estheticians we're still learning like they need everything yeah they could probably feel very overwhelmed and like oh my god i'm not going to survive yeah if i don't get my new hydrofacial machine how will i make it through the end of the year i don't carry you know i don't carry this you know zo product line or what or whatever you know i don't carry imminence and everybody wants it like Mm -hmm. you know it's just it's one of those things you just you have to make the best out of what you have and still show that i'm a good esthetician with what i have you know and this i carry these things because of X, Y, and Z, and you just have to own it. I mean, yeah. you just do. And that's not to say that there's not brands and product manufacturers that don't support the solo esthetician or, the, you know, they do support everyone from the solo esthetician to the big spa owner mm-hmm. or chain spa. There are those brands out there that do show yeah. up and that they say, no, we understand that we wouldn't have a name without our professionals and we're going to back them. And are those brands becoming less and less? Yes, but it just makes it more important that when you do find a product manufacturer that does align, that does offer you support, that doesn't just see you as a number or as just a checklist in some state, you hold on to them because Mm -hmm. that's kind of gold at this moment. Definitely. I mean, that's why, you know, we carry like the non-medical line that we do because they really put the esthetician forward and are always like, we're not going to do our own like online sales but we do allow some with you know contentions mm-hmm. on there but they're always like checking to make sure that you know they're not popping up on things like amazon or whatever yes you know a lot of companies will say that they are and then it just happens to be there and then amazon kind of caught on and was like you know what we'll just we'll make our own what do they call it like their prestige marketplace where there's oh, quite I a see. few yeah, like higher end and even, you know, these medically dispensed lines mm-hmm. are on Amazon to purchase it. And it's like, we're an authorized distributor. Okay, but you're not an esthetician. You're Amazon. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. And I do know those are loopholes. They, there are loopholes yes. and that there are, there are manufacturers that go out of their way to completely be like, no, absolutely not. It yeah. will not happen. And then there's sometimes it's a little difficult, especially when the brand does kind of border the consumer line that they do have an audience both wise, but they are still trying to keep their presence in the spa industry. And 
it's difficult. It's even mm-hmm. working for Dermascope and, and having to meet different product manufacturers and then wanting to get involved with the magazine, us having to just weed out of like, well, would this be appropriate for us to work with you? Because mm-hmm. a lot of the times it isn't. Our our niche is a niche and we are the, the authority on professional skincare. But it's very hard to give that like a clear cut definition of like what is professional when, you know, mm-hmm. half of these terms, like you were saying, Elizabeth, are it's it's marketing. It's also we've talked about before the whole tier of it and how we're just kind of like living at the very tip of the the pyramid of what we consider, you know, is in our caliber of like the kind of products and equipment that we're working with. But then when there's just that bleed. And when there's not support from manufacturers, it's difficult. Like I said, you guys have such a hard profession. I, I don't mm-hmm. know really listeners out there and you're, if you feel like you're just like, this is hard, it is. And you should very much feel validated. It is hard right now. And yes. I don't know. Do you guys feel like with the more popular that skincare and people getting like dabbling in aesthetics consumers, you know, where they're like, oh, I picked up this device that I saw on TikTok. Have you felt that it's gotten more difficult for you guys to like have your role as the professional? Uh, I mean, not so much maybe just doing this for so long that my clients trust what I'm going to say. And again, I think it's because of my approach in that I don't dog things, you know, so hard. I'm like, you can't use that. You're going to like F up your face. Yeah. <laughs> Ew, why are you using but, that? Yeah. 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 And I just tell them, I'm like, you know, this is what I've seen. This is my professional opinion on it. I would much prefer you do this and try to always give them an alternative. You know, if they're wanting to use a device at home, I say, you know, your time's much better spent doing like an LED light therapy or something like that. You're just going to get more out of it. And long term, I know you're not going to hurt your skin or whatever. Um, I think even was it yesterday, a client sent me a video about this. It was a it was a spa. Now, granted, I've seen videos where they're making like fake podcasts or fake whatever to like advertise certain oh. things. So I don't know if this was a real spa that was doing it. And it was an ad, right? Yeah. And this guy was like, you know, we we do hydrofacial, but, you know, we're trying out a device that, uh, you know, can be used at home and it's called this. And it just had like a one little channel and it had a little like wand. And I was like, first of all, that thing is like ginormous. I don't know where you would put it on your bathroom counter, but maybe it's just because I don't have a lot of space in my bathroom. But she was like, well, what do you think? And she's someone who comes in every single month for hydrofacial. Now, I remember hydrofacial. Now, granted, I I don't know if this was like information that everyone was privy to, but maybe now it doesn't matter. But um, they were beta testing a home device. Interesting. Was it the year before last? But yeah, they had some beta testers for a like glow on the go like device. Now, I don't know if they'll ever be revisiting that. I don't Mm -hmm. know if it was just a complete flop. But, you know, they saw that maybe there was that market that people needed, but also maybe they just didn't. Maybe they were like, no, this isn't really doing anything. It's an extra yeah. step. My clients want to come in once a month, get their stuff, do their home care and go. Now, I think I have clients that are maybe not as high maintenance when it comes to things. They just want their, their treatments to do what they need to do and be consistent with their home care. And a lot of times don't really need an extra device. But... And I told her, I was like, I don't think it's necessary. You come in every month, your pores are like squeaky clean. You're mm-hmm. going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> She's 
have to be honest with people sometimes. Yeah. 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 And I told her, I was like, I'm not a biggest fan of like vacuum devices for clients mm-hmm. at home. I feel like that can just go wrong really fast. You know, I don't trust my clients a lot of times with things <laughs> like they're just like, if a little no, bit's good, then a lot is better, you know? It's like kids. They're, they're sucking their whole face you guys off. need supervision <laughs> to use stuff like that? So what do you yeah. Most of them do. I just do it. And then, you know, at home, you just stick with the skincare, okay? Right. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, it's it's always that approach. I try to make it humorous. I think I've even made a couple, like, videos on it online just mm-hmm. to... You know, yeah. just tell them like I don't I don't suggest that as something to do. And like not every, you know, device is really worth it. Like I only have so much time at home. I right. don't know how everybody else has time to do like it's like a thirteen step skincare yeah, yeah, with I don't all get the devices. It. Even as an esthetician, I'm saying that like it's, it's really not necessary. It really yeah. isn't. I think I have pretty good skin and I don't have to like and and it's problematic, but I keep it maintained with, you know, Simplicity. The things that I do, even the yeah. clients were like, your skin looks great. What have you been doing? And I'm like, I'm going to be totally honest. I have not been in for a treatment in probably too long now. I just have not had the time to put myself on the books for anything. But you got that and, barrier maintenance. So you have that. Yeah. Go. But I was like, but I stick to my routine every single day and I stick to my diet, you know, that I'm supposed to follow and mm-hmm. uh, try to maintain the stress. Although that doesn't really happen all the time, but I'm like, I do all the things that I tell you to do. I, I attempt at least. Yes. But yeah. you know, I may only get in a, a facial treatment or something every other month or every mm-hmm. three months, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. It's hard to wish we got more. But... We all wish we did. I know. Um, yeah. But I guess kudos to Hydrofacial for recognizing that that maybe wasn't their best move because I'm sure if they would have yeah. put something to market, there would have been an audience for it. Yeah. So and I think they're picking up some other stuff, you know? So, I mean, I think that was maybe they were like, you know, that didn't quite work out and we're going to scoot on to something else. Yeah. And that was another thing with Hydrofish actually that I was thinking about because of working with them for so long, I saw when they pulled back on the like spa spa industry and started to move on to more of the medical industry because mm-hmm. that's where they saw themselves. Um, so they stopped showing up to, you know, trade shows and things like that. And we're mainly at ones for like medical aesthetics. And a lot of estheticians got really bummed about that. And then they finally listened. And now what do you see? They're back at the trade shows again. They're back at, you know, um, marketing to the solo esthetician. So they realized that their screw up, you know, there was yeah. kind of going too exclusive. Because I'm sure there was like, clients that were like, I only want a uh, hydrofacial done by a doctor. And it's like, well, yeah. Um, no, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Elizabeth's like, nope, I'm right here. No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you don't want a doctor to start your IV. They probably haven't done one in who knows how long. So yeah. that's the thing is that most of us estheticians can do stuff and have more of the knowledge than some of these doctors too. I mean, sadly, just do I mean we we know a lot more when it comes to I think sometimes it comes down to like care that like yeah yeah you guys have much more of just like care and so you're gonna do a better job just like baseline yeah and I think our judgment's also not clouded by a lot of the the medical terminology and I I don't want to get like so woo about it but you know a lot of the things that they learn again they just kind of stick so black and white with it Mm -hmm. right so it's like you know, it can only be done this way. And this is the course of treatment and like the whole do no harm, which is great, but also it leaves a lot to be desired because we know that skin doesn't really work one way. 
right? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, it, it can work a lot of ways. And there's a lot of factors that are involved there. And that's really where we can come in and have that little bit more open-mindedness that comes with our jobs in that we know that there's other things at hand and that products can actually do a lot. And as long as something's following what they're supposed to, it's great, but there's not necessarily like, this is the only answer to this problem, you know? And that's, that's how unfortunately doctors get taught because again, they're going through a lot of information. They're having to study a lot of things. So they need clear cut answers and places to start. And, you know, their whole thing is they can stop morbidity and, you know, morality in the, in the skin itself. But it doesn't mean that that's just how it's supposed to be done. The best way. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Well, I like I said, we could probably talk about this a lot just because it's it's very. um, Yeah. It's part three. I know. (laughs) (laughs) know, There's an audience for it. Why not? But um, I know that Lauren has to jump off really quick. So I just thought we'd uh, do the game really quick and then we'd backtrack and do the reviews with Elizabeth just so that we can get Lauren going on her day because we are very appreciative that she's even recording with us um being as pregnant and <laughs> busy oh, as she is <laughs> i make it work guys i make it work okay so this one is going to be another like trivia type um it's all about like a percentage guessing game i'm going to give you a question and you're going to guess percentage wise so like for instance like how many people know how to wash their face properly and like percentage right mm-hmm. but this is going to be a little bit more um geared towards like marketing and um, what we've been talking about. So the first one is, if you guys could guess, how much, what percentage of claims in cosmetic marketing were found to be vague or false? Oh, okay. I understand now. Um, if you could guess percentage-wise, how many how many of those claims were, were actually false to what was being marketing? Mm-hmm. Judging by what I've seen... And what I've heard clients telling me, I'm going to go with 50%, which probably 50%. sounds like a lot, but yeah. All right. Lauren, what do you think? I'll say 30. Maybe 30. 30. So it's actually 86%. Holy oh, crap. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, this is like cosmetics, like the whole thing, okay. all of the cosmetics. Yes. Like literally I have to tell clients about wow. the time that I was looking at a product that was like, this is a vitamin C serum. And I literally turned it over. And there's like, no, and I was like, there's, no, there's no vitamin C. Yeah. In this entire ingredient deck. Yeah. And I was like, oh no, maybe it's under a different name that I don't know. Yeah. None. Maybe they should put on the label. That's <laughs> just the name of the serum. That's not what the it's not. It's not actually. <laughs> and I, I have to tell clients, I'm like, a lot of things. So they claim, just like with foods, right? A lot of things they claim on the front. That's true. Are really told more yeah. on the back. It's not But as a consumer, you wouldn't know how to read an ingredient deck for the most part. Right. Yeah, that's high. I didn't realize it was 89. 86. But yeah, it's super high. Okay. So we'll maybe do like two more and then we'll let. Um, so the other one is what percentage of quote unquote green claims were found to be exaggerated, false, or deceptive. So that's greenwashing. That's mm-hmm. your, all you know, your, my favorite topic, <laughs> your tea free and gluten free and organic. How many percentage of you guys, uh, do you guys think was found I'm to be? i say like 70. We'll say okay. 70. I was going to say 72. Yeah. 70. So I feel like that one would be high. 
Mm-hmm. It's not as bad just because I think green is such a, a vague term. It's 42%. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not okay. as bad. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Oh, this one's really good. What percentage of consumers said that they trust the cosmetics in the industry today? That they full heartedly just trust that if it's out on the market, it must be safe. Mm-hmm. Like 10%. <laughs> I feel like I have to work really hard to make them trust into skincare sometimes, you know? I don't know. I'll say like 50, maybe half and half. It is 17%. Okay. Hey, I was pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. So- yeah. We have a lot of um, people that are a little weary of the cosmetics, which skepticism in the market, you know, and and rightly so, right? Because they've probably been burned at some point, not literally. Maybe, probably. Maybe (laughs) literally, though. Maybe literally, too. I have seen that happen as well. (laughs) Lauren, we will let you go. We know that you have uh, children to pick up, but great talking to you. Bye. 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 I'll see y'all next podcast. See you next time. Oh, you'll have a baby next time. Okay, oh, you'll be mommy of three. So exciting. Okay. I know. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Bye. See you later. Bye, bye. All right, Elizabeth, now you're in the hot spot. Just kidding. We're just talking uh-huh. about product reviews. It's- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. At least every girl that I know, it's their their dream come true about being able just to talk about like the product recommendations or getting product recommendations because that's what we all love right we all just want the next best thing we all just want something that's going to make us look like um a supermodel absolutely (laughs) (laughs) if you're telling me a bottle can make me a supermodel i want it so oh yeah and you know the clients are like oh i saw so and so was using this product like what do you think about it and i'm like i mean I, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I doubt that they look that way because they were using that, but hey, whatever. Yeah. Well, I actually got the opportunity to ask Tiffany Haddish, the actress or comedian, uh, what she uses for her skin at this past event that I was in the weekend. And oh. I was like really interested to be like, what do you? And I'm so jealous. <laughs> she's so she said that she used, she didn't want to name drop because she's very, she's a businesswoman and she's like, no, you're going to, if I'm going to name drop you, you're going to pay me to do it. So she kept it very yeah. like generic. And she says that um, she just uses one soap and it's like pine oil and she gets it from Amazon. Oh, man. And I was like, <laughs> oh, and I was like, OK, so no shame to Tiffany Haddish. Her skin is beautiful. And that's why I asked. But again, it, maybe it's just her genetics or maybe she's just not letting in on her secrets because she's not getting paid to do that. But yeah, very interesting. It's a smart move. I mean, hey, if I was in the spotlight, I'd probably be doing the same. We can't say we wouldn't, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought that was interesting. So it just makes you think twice about the the whole, not not estheticians, but other people about the celebrity skincare craze. Yeah. Okay. Well, with all of that, what product are you, do you want to shout out on this episode? Are you loving? Are you just like, I can't. What is your miracle yeah, product? For now. Yeah, no. <laughs> for now. Um, no, it's it's a tried and true. It's the the Rapid Lash Lash Serum. We know her. We love her. Mm. I mean, all of my clients always, they're like, are you sure you're not wearing extensions? And I'm like, no. I, I gave that like a year <laughs> and I couldn't deal with it. So I just went back to trying to get my lashes uh, be whatever they can be. And once I actually tried like real true lash serums, because there's a lot of like lash conditioners on the market. Yeah. And they do help. There are helpful, but they're not yeah. necessarily going to like regrow your lash. Body, Those right? are more like they're going to 
keep your lash strength. Like if you're somebody who's doing mm-hmm. lash extensions and things, then you can. Cause I think sometimes they don't recommend doing a lash serum, like a growth serum or yeah. lash extensions. It depends. If it's like oil based, it'll make the extensions not last as long. Yeah. And then something about the like growth cycle or whatever, but right. You'll have to get fills like twice as fast. I'm a lash. And so I don't know if this one in particular (laughs) is lash safe or not. Um, I probably should have looked that up, but again, I don't wear lash extensions, so I don't think about it, Mm -hmm. but plenty of my clients do. And you know, they're always like, but I just want like natural lashes. And I'm like, lash serum is really your best bet. You know, you're only going to get as much as you're genetically able to, like, it's not going to make more hair follicles but it can activate ones that are they laying dormant or maybe they've gotten damaged from years mm-hmm. of doing things like wearing waterproof mascara or like not removing your makeup at night or being a little too harsh on your eyes or things like that. Um, or like medications, you know, people going through chemo and different things. If their hair follicles are not destroyed entirely, then that can a lot of times help. But I tell them it's something I, I love and it's in my like normal skincare routine to apply a lash serum. I don't apply it every day. I just, I tell them like, you want to start twice a day, do that for about three months, see where your lashes are. If you still want to build a little bit more, keep going with that. But otherwise you can start like dialing it back down, but that's really what you have to do. And at this point you probably tried like all of the rapid lash yes. products. Yes. I think it was like the, sure. the, and you're like, the primer mascara. There's the mascara and the primer. The, the brow, yeah. I think at one point. And it's all like rapid brow, rapid shield. Yeah. All that. It was like it's yeah. rapid, rapid, rapid. So, um, but the last year was like their tried and true product. And for true growth, that's the one that you want. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the lash serums will be a little bit more expensive, but it's because they have the actual ingredients to help with the hair growth in that area. Mm-hmm. And those ingredients ain't cheap. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's good to know. Your lashes are very long and luxurious. <laughs> so maybe I should take a break on the extension train and get on the lash. I know it's, it's a hard I'm... train to get off of, but I, I enjoyed them for the short time I had them. But also I realized that I am not easy on my eyes <laughs> you're easy on i'm my easy eyes, on eyes easy on but me. i'm not so i'm i can't baby my eyes very well like i rub them i sleep yeah. on the side of my face like i just i'm the worst mm-hmm. possible client when it comes to lash extensions <laughs> but at least you recognize it there's a lot of people who can yeah. do that yeah well i don't know i'll let you i'll keep you all posted about if i break up with my extensions or not but i'm thinking about it <laughs> i just don't want to look ugly in the morning I would say it's good. It's good to have like a break just from the weight of the lashes on your natural lash. It's kind of like with like filler and things like people have to like get it dissolved and start over again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that depressing note. I can make a strong (laughs) argument for it. Anyone who knows me, I'm so obsessed with lashes. I love, I have been wearing fake eyelashes for 13 years now and even the transition from going to strip lashes to extensions was like, I was like, wait, where's the yeah. rest of it? Cause I'm just so used to a thick, wow, like, you know, a strip lash, which is going to give you that like pop, but you know, it's not. I wanted to be like that girly thing. that like could put on lashes, but I remember having like a full blown like breakdown in, uh, for my, my drill team coach was like, you, oh, cause you, you have had to wear the, to wear yeah, you have to the wear lash lashes. strips. And I was like, absolutely the hell not. I was like, I will, I will lose my peripheral vision if I cannot 
if I put these on. And she was like, no, 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 just let me put them on for you. My eyelids felt so heavy. And I was like, I can't see the corner of my eyes because I can't open them all the I way. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I would do it every day if I could, if I had the patience. Yeah. But thank you, Elizabeth, for joining. Thank you guys for listening and just letting us mess around for a little bit. Hopefully we touched on some topics, you guys, to get you guys thinking. And just so you know, estheticians are stronger together. So next time that you're thinking about making a decision or ringing something on and you're not feeling supported, maybe not ignore that. Okay. Thanks, guys. And I will talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Aesthetic Report. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. If you love the show, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and tell all your SD besties to give us a listen. And don't forget, the education doesn't stop here. The Aesthetic Report is one of many platforms offered by Dermascope. Visit dermascope.com for more education and industry news from the Authority on Professional Skincare. Stay tuned and we'll see you next time for another episode of The Aesthetic Report.